Turn over to Romans chapter number 13. Romans chapter number 13, I am sensitive uh, to the subject matter that today is 9-11 and what took place in our nation 21 years ago and what has taken place since. Some lessons we've learned, some lessons we've failed to learn. And I want us to look in the scriptures, and it's not going to be so much of a 9-11 message as we look at those things, but I don't ever want us to forget, listen, we still remember December the 7th, don't we? And uh, remember what took place on a day like that. But Romans chapter number 13, if you found it, let's stand together. And uh, if you're able to, we're just going to read the last seven verses, starting in verse number 8, and we're going to read down through uh, verse number 14, the end of the chapter. The Apostle Paul says, starting in verse 8, Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth one another hath fulfilled the law. For this, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet, and if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. And that, knowing the time, that now is the high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand, let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly, as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering, which is actually immodest behavior, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying. But put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Looking back in verse number 11 that says, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. I'm going to preach for just a a simple thought this morning on it's time to wake up. It's time to wake up. Let's have a word of prayer, and then you can be seated. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the privilege that you've given to us to be able to gather together. Lord, I'm thankful that I woke up this morning in the greatest nation on the face of the earth, in the greatest state in that nation. Lord, I'm thankful to be able to assemble together to be able to open the Word of God, to be able to pray publicly, Lord, in this great nation. Lord, we remember the fallen. We remember those on that great act of terrorism that took place that day and the vows and the promise that it would never happen again. But Lord, I believe as we sit here as a church this morning, not just in Concord but across our nation, What I believe in a lot of areas, not just physically and emotionally, but spiritually, people have just fallen back to sleep. And Lord, I pray that you'd wake us up this morning. And Lord, I I believe that you can do that spiritually. And so Lord, help us to wake up as Americans. Help us to wake up as Christians. And Lord, may you be honored and glorified with our lives. Do that work in our hearts now that only you can do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
21 years ago today, one of the most tragic events took place on U.S. soil, really since December the 7th at Pearl Harbor. It was the day that four planes were hijacked, flown into buildings and fields, and killed just under 3,000 innocent civilians. The aftermath of that day changed individual lives and America for years to come. It was on that day that wars began. Young men and ladies were sent off to fight for our country. I've heard the testimonies and asked people when they signed up, and they said September the 12th, 2001. Men and ladies were sent off to fight. Cleanup crews and construction workers cleared the rubble from two 110-story buildings in downtown Manhattan. How many remember those pictures and scenes? You can still see them in your mind today, literally, of smoke rising. One of the things that took place that the satellites from outer space were able to pick up in those images. Immediately following the towers, America woke up to terrorism, didn't it? The need that neighbors have, they woke up to. And loving their family members, because that may be the last time they see them, is what they woke up to. Most importantly, churches and Christians began to wake up. Wake up to the need of being in church faithfully, praying, and seeking God to be first in their lives. How many remember of hearing of churches that were open for days following just for people to be able to come in and to be able to spend time in prayer. Now we've gotten to the point in America that people are complaining that the church is open too much. But yet 21 years ago today, they were begging to open up the churches for families and citizens to be able to come together. Churches were full on a regular basis. Families were back together and worshiping, and people began to wake up. How many families would gather together after that September the 11th, 21 years ago, and they would have a family dinner? and be able to say we're thankful to be able to gather together as a family because there were families that woke up yesterday morning thinking they would come back and be able to gather together, and they never did. I saw the one picture that goes around every year of that one fire truck that's going across the bridge as they're running to the fire there at the Twin Towers, and it was the last picture that was ever taken of that fire truck or of those firefighters because a few minutes later they ran into those burning buildings just before those towers came down and they were never heard from again. Families started assembling together. Churches were assembling. Unfortunately, this has not lasted for 21 years. People are quote-unquote back to their normal of saying, what, we have to go to church again? Of what? You mean the church is open again? Well, we were just there last week. What do we have to go back again for? We'll look for every excuse and everything to be able to say why we don't have to be in church. I made mention last week when we started talking about Christmas, that Christmas falls on a Sunday this year. And believe it or not, it's been said, well, maybe there won't be church. No, there's going to be church on Christmas. 
After all, who is Christmas about anyway? It's not about your fat man with a beard in a red suit, okay? It's about the birth of our Savior. So what better way? Anyway, I'm back to the message for this morning. People are back to their normal. Churches are emptying across our nation, and the reality of death and eternity has faded from the forefront of our minds. It's in this context that we come over to Romans chapter number 13. We see the reality of needing to love our neighbor as it's been listed here. In the midst, we see this phrase, now it is high time to awake out of sleep. Wake up is what he's saying. But why? And how should we wake up? There are several things as we look down through this passage of Scripture that God has spoken to my heart and life about, about this subject matter. Now, I will say this. I'm not one that actually enjoys being abruptly woke up, even though when I am abruptly woke up, I can then begin to function. It drives my wife crazy that I can get woken up out of a dead sleep, whether it be by a phone call or someone. If you're knocking on my door at 6 a.m., there must be something really wrong. But it could be a phone call. It could be someone knocking on the door. Whatever it may be, a sound that I hear that I can wake up, answer the phone, and it's like I've been awake for three hours. She said, how do you do that? I said, it's just a matter of waking up, getting the mind in gear maybe before it hits the floor, before the feet hit the floor. And he mentions that here. May I say this, that he's not talking about physically waking up on a Sunday morning in order to be able to get to church. He's not talking about make sure you wake up in order to be able to get to work tomorrow morning. That's not the context. I told our college and career young adults downstairs what I was preaching on this morning, and I told them that I'm not going to get on the subject matter of you need to wake up in the morning. I said, that's not what I'm preaching on, even though that's a good sideline, isn't it? Wake up. This crowd that sleeps till 12 o'clock every day, I don't understand it. Sleep till 9 o'clock in the morning, half the day is gone already. How many believe that? There wasn't one person under 30 years of age that put their hand up and said amen right there. Okay, there's two of them. But it's time to wake up. We think about this subject matter. We're not talking about setting your alarm for a physical wake up in the morning, but we're talking about a spiritual wake up because that's exactly what began to take place 21 years ago today. At this point in the day, listen, the towers had fallen. At this point, people were glued to their radio or to their television set wondering what's going to happen now. Our military was on high alert. Our president was in the air in a secure airspace being surrounded. Airports were being shut down. People were falling on their knees before Almighty God, praying for their loved ones to just walk through that door one more time. Churches were filling up by people gathering at the altar, crying out to Almighty God, saying, God, would you forgive us as a nation for our sins against you? I want to share three simple thoughts with us this morning on the reason for it. I don't know if you've ever asked when someone came in and said, it's time to wake up, and you say, why? Number one, I believe it's time to wake up because the true end of times is coming. 
The Bible speaks to us here in verse number 11. It is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Can I say this? I believe that the Lord is coming back at any moment that the Lord Jesus Christ will come back from heaven. Yes, we are still a church that believes in the imminent return of the Lord Jesus. We believe that Jesus is coming back and we'll be forever with him for all of eternity. But may I say this, we are one day closer to that than what we were yesterday. Yesterday morning, we were on Zoom, having our Zoom fellowship with several from the church, and Brother Jim and Miss June were on it down there in Arkansas, and uh, they made this statement. They said 8 o'clock's coming a little bit earlier down here in Arkansas than what it did up there in Concord. The reason for that is they're in central time, okay, in case I need to explain that this morning. They're in central time, so they're getting on Zoom with us at 7 in the morning while we're getting on at 8 o'clock, and he made this statement before he got off Zoom yesterday. He said, perhaps today, he said, the Lord will come back. Can I say this? Whether you believe in the soon return of the Lord, you look around us, you see what's taking place around this world. Listen, we are closer to the end than we are to the beginning. We believe that things are lining up. We see things taking place around this world. You say, Pastor, are you a doomsdayer? No, I'm not. But listen, we study the word of God. You want to know what's going to happen in the future? Let's sit down and talk Bible. I can tell you exactly what's going to be happening in the future. And not because I'm some witch or something that's trying to proclaim it either. I'm talking about going to the scriptures, which is far more dependable than any palm reader that you'll ever go to, to be able to see what's going to happen. We're closer to the end than we are at the beginning. He said, listen, it is time to wake up. It's time to be doing what's right because, listen, our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ coming back is closer than when we believed. Now, that doesn't matter whether you've just been saved for a short time. You say, I just got saved a month ago or six months ago, or I've been saved for 40 years or 50 years. Guess what? It's closer than the day we believed. Listen, the true end times is coming. The true end times. Listen, revelation will be a reality, and we've been lulled to sleep. We see things taking place. Can I just give a couple of examples as we begin looking at it? Listen, it's all around this world. There's a, there's a big push right now, and it prophesies that it's going to take place for one big worldwide religion. Can I say this? It's taking place as we speak. It's amazing the religions around this world that it is just dropping over here and they're saying, well, we don't have these distinctives anymore. We don't have this separation and you have this religion yoking up with this religion saying, after all, we're all God's children. Well, not according to the Bible. We're not all God's children. And so we look in the scriptures and listen, our time is closer than when we believed. If you look at the economic situation around this world and you look at the economies, listen, it's not just going the wrong direction here in America, by the way. It's going the wrong direction in nation after nation after nation around this world. Their economies are going the wrong way. Terrorism's on the rise. Everything's taking place. You say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that Revelation, the book of Revelation in the Bible, is going to be a reality here shortly. 
It's ripe for a one world leader to be able to step up and be able to say, listen, why don't we just all unite under the banner of one flag? Why don't we get rid of, hey, why don't we get rid of borders? Why don't we get rid of currency? Why don't we get rid of all these things and just be together as one people, ripe for one person to be able to stand up and say, I'll be the leader of all of it. And all the nations are just going to bow down. Now, listen, you can say what you want. At some point, the United States, now listen, I, I, I already prayed it. I'm thankful to be born in the greatest country on the face of the earth, and I've been in dozens of them around this world. And there's not one that I would say, boy, I'd rather live there. But if that's your feeling, then go live there. That's all I got to say, okay? That if that's what you want, then, then go ahead. We'll help buy a one-way ticket. That's fine. But listen, we look at this. There comes a time, according to the Scripture, listen, I may be an American but I'm a Christian and I'm a Bible believer and it talks in the end times of all these nations just going to be bowing down to this one world leader. You think that's going to happen with someone who's so pro-America? America is going to get sold out like every other country around this world but we have a savior that's in heaven (laughs) and we have a savior that's coming back for us that we know the truth and understand it. And listen, it is time that we as God's people, those that proclaim the name of Christ to wake up and realize that the true end is coming. Well, that's just a doomsday preacher. Listen, I'm not walking around downtown with a sandwich sign on me saying the end is near. The end is near, okay? But I will stand behind this pulpit and proclaim the word of God that the book of Revelation is going to be coming true. And we understand that the true end of times is coming. It's time to wake up. We understand the times. We understand that the Lord Jesus, if we're, if we're a child of God, listen, at any time, there's nothing holding back the Lord Jesus. Just waiting for the fulfillment of time, Jesus is going to come back and be able to take us out of here. You say, Pastor, that seems out of this world. It is, <laughs> okay? It really is. You say, you actually believe stuff? Yes, I actually believe that my Savior is going to be coming, and I'm going to meet him. You say, that's whacked out. That's just Bible. I've I've got a book that I'm basing it on, and uh, we're just holding to it. But second of all, let me give you this. Look at verse number 12. The Bible says, the night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. Number one, the true end of times is coming. But can I say this? The tragic sin that's abounding. You say, what do you mean? Cast off the works of darkness. We have never lived in a day and age. Listen, sin has always abounded, but it just seems like everywhere we look today, there's a condoning of sin. There's a saying, oh, that's okay. That's not a problem. If that's what they want to do, no. Can I remind us that if the Bible still calls something sin, then it's not open to my opinion or your opinion? If the Bible said, well, but it's okay according to man's laws. Well, man's laws are wrong, especially according to the word of God. Sin is still sin. And we look around us and look at this nation. Listen, sin is abounding on every side. The tragic sin that's abounding. 
Can I say at this point, casting off the work of darkness, it's like waking up in the morning. How many, when you wake up in the morning, you have to rub those sleepers out of your eyes. How many about three hours later, you didn't get one and you go like this and boy, it hurts your eye because you wiped it out and it actually got all crusty and dried in the corner of your eye. You say, I should have got that when I woke up. Yes, you should have. And can I say, we as believers, we ought not to be waking up years down the road, but all of a sudden people are waking up today saying, are you realizing what's taking place? Can I say over the past couple of years, and, and uh, this, this is not a, a, a Baxter rally here this morning, but what is taking place with some men and some ladies like this, they're actually going not necessarily the spiritual realm, but in the political realm that are standing up and saying, hey, y'all better wake up because of the direction that things are going, and we're looking at it saying, where did that come from? when it's been around for the past 20 years and we haven't done a thing about it. But then the abundance of sin that is prevalent, listen, I'm not talking about just in America today, but I'm talking about inside of our churches that we've quit preaching on sin, we've started condoning sin and saying, well, that's just okay, they just don't know any better. We need to teach them to know better according to the word of God. It's at a tragic level, the amount of sin. Sin's abounding. Holiness is just a byword in most churches and families. But can I say this, that living right and righteous is necessary when we wake up and start seeing the condition. You say, well, that's the condition that the world is in. Can I say there ought to be such a stark contrast between the church and the world that they ought to be able to see the difference? You say, we, we ought to really be living like that? Hey, you know what thrilled my soul this morning? They had to scoot together. There's more kids, more teenagers down here than what we have chairs on the front row. Our teenagers at Granite State Baptist Church, they're not all going to the world. But I'm okay with some teenagers that are willing to say, I want to be different from the world and not living like them and not acting like them. I'm fine with that. They don't have to have a life full of sin and go live that direction. And can I say this? Neither do you as a family. Neither do you as an older couple. You don't have to have problems in your marriages. You can get things right. You can focus on the Lord. The tragic sin that's abounding all around us. Listen, we're so concerned with pointing out the sin, whether it be in Washington or in Concord. And by the way, we're in Concord. We point out the sin in all these capitals and all these other people instead of just going to the word of God, looking in the mirror and saying, hey, what about the sin in my life? When what David said is, search me, O God, and know my heart. It's real easy for me to say, hey, uh, God, would you search Bob over here? And would you show him some things that are wrong in his life? It's, it's real easy for me to pray that. It's real easy for me to pray, would you, would you search Dan back here? And God, would you check his life? But boy, when it gets personal and I'm saying, God, would you search me? It's time to cast off the works of darkness if we're going to wake up. It's time to start living holy and living righteous and to be holy before a righteous God. The tragic sin that's abounding. But then can I say this, the testimony of living right. 
He says at the end of verse number 12, now listen, whenever you go through the scriptures, he never tells us to get rid of something without adding something. He never tells us to put off something without putting on something. You say, pastor, we can get rid of all these works of darkness, but then what am I supposed to do? Well, the Bible says, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And he lists some things here, the testimony of living right, the armor of light. Can I remind us that armor is for the outward and not the inward? You say, what do you mean by that? That means the armor of light. There's going to be a difference on the outside too. Boy, we heard a good message on that on Thursday night, didn't we? The armor of light, but then he said this. Boy, if this isn't 2022, verse 13, let us walk honestly. Can I say those two words? I'm trying not to get real political. Dwayne, you're here this morning. You just influenced me to get political. No. Can you imagine what those two words right there would make a difference across our nation? Walk honestly. That means with character, with integrity, with something being right. Walk honestly. He gives us a list here that's putting on the armor of light. Walk honestly. But then he said this. He said, not in rioting and drunkenness. You say, I thought the Bible wasn't relevant for today. That just describes how we're not supposed to be living today. Not in chambering, that's that immodest behavior and wantonness, that's the lust and heaping to ourselves. Not in strife and envy, not in that fighting and desiring what everybody else has. He said, listen, put on the armor of light. Get rid of all these things. The armor of light is not these things. Walk honestly. How's our testimony? He says this because he makes the distinction between daytime and nighttime. He says, walk honestly as in the day. You know, here just several months ago, it seemed like every day on the news, if you woke up and you turned on the news and be able to hear the morning report, you would say, you would hear, we just came through another night of riots. Now, why is that? Why aren't they out there during the day? Why aren't they out there? Hey, listen, the Bible explains about that. Walk honestly as in the day. There's something about when the sun comes up. There's something about during the day. Because the Bible says, Jesus said it, that men love darkness rather than light. And the Bible says this, because their deeds are evil. He said, listen, we better have the testimony. This is not, when he lists these things, the, the opposite of this, walking dishonestly in rioting and drunkenness and in chambering and wantonness and in strife and envy. Listen, that's not the testimony of God's people that are waking up because it's day. But walking honestly is in the day. That's the testimony of God's people. I wonder what our testimony is to our community around us. Listen, I'm all for loving everybody I come in contact with. I'm all for doing whatever we can, but I want them to know that we're we're a church that's going to live according to the word of God. We're a church that's going to do what's right and that we actually stand for something. I, I praise the Lord for that. Listen, I'm fine with that. 
You say, well, you just don't let anything go over there at the church. Well, we're not going to let anything go that's contrary to the word of God, okay? Because this is our final authority. We go by this. That's what we hold to. The testimony of living right. We better wake up. We better realize that, listen, there's some that are still walking in the works of darkness there's some that are still living that direction. They have not put on the armor of light. And you say, what's going to make the difference? It's going to make a difference when we wake up and realize what's going on around us. Wake up and realize that the amount of sin that's, that's abounding, realizing that end times are coming, that, listen, we are closer to the end of time than we are to the beginning of time. And then wondering and asking ourselves, how are we walking on a daily basis? <clears throat> Now, it's at this time we can begin to examine ourselves. We can begin to ask, now listen, on a physical level, I'll start there, how many people, and it's been the topic of conversation about politics here in our state and how we have the primaries that are coming up 48 hours from right now, that the polls are open, we have our primaries. I told our young adults downstairs, I said, listen, if you don't get out there and vote, I said, don't come in complaining to me. I said, we got to do our part. I said, now what difference it makes? I said, we leave that up, but I do my part. I said, listen, we've got to realize we've got to get out. We've got to do something because of what's taking place. I love America. I don't want to see it going the direction that it's going. But can I say far above all of that, and you, I just wanted to get that out of the way because you thought that's where the message was going today anyway. But can I say spiritually in our lives, listen, it's about time we start looking in the mirror spiritually. And it's time to wake up spiritually. The spiritual condition of our city, the spiritual condition of our state is not a good one. You say, what do you mean? Sin is abounding everywhere. And we better wake up and realize it. We better see the things that are contrary to the word of God. And listen, I'm not talking about just getting up and condemning what everybody else is doing. I'm saying let's do some inward reflection on this and start saying, Lord, what is it in my life where there may be sin that I need to wake up to? And say, God, would you reveal that to me? The old song, we used to sing this chorus, and some of you maybe sang it while you were growing up, but it's me, it's me, it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my father, not my mother, not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O Lord, standing in the need of prayer. We're so quick looking all out there instead of saying, okay, what's my part? In living holy, living righteous, here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. I'll read this, and we'll be getting ready to finish here in just a few moments. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Look what he said here. Verse number 33 says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God. Here's what Paul said. I speak this to your shame. You say, what's he saying? Time to wake up. Now, he said it a little simpler and plainer there in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, awake to righteousness and sin not. 
You get over into Romans chapter 13. He says it's time to wake up and gives us a whole list of things we're supposed to put off and how we're not supposed to walk and how we are to walk. He simply said, awake to righteousness. Sin not, make no provision for the flesh. Can we say that we are truly awake today? And may I take that term back from those across our nation? Oh, pastor, I'm not, I'm not part of that woke people. I'm not talking about being woke. I'm talking about awakening. Amazing. We got they, they take every term we have, Bible terms, and make them sound, oh, I'm, I'm not part of that woke. Well, we ought to be waking up, but not in relationship to things that are anti-biblical and participating in them. We ought to awake to righteousness. Can we say that we are spiritually awake today, or are we just going through the motions? It's happened more time than once. Listen, it happens on Sunday morning. I see some that they get in. Listen, they might have, they, they have several things going on in their life. I'm not going to name specifics, but they just sit there in church and they're looking at me. And I can just tell by that glazed over look. You ever been talking to someone like that? They're looking right through you. And sometimes you just have to walk up to them. Listen, sometimes you just got to jolt them. Sometimes you just got to wake them up a little bit. Can I say, listen, that's what happened 21 years ago today. Man, it snapped our nation too, didn't it? It did. But you know what? We've just fallen back to sleep. Churches woke up. Boy, they started realizing that there's people that may not come home tonight to be able to be with their families, and they tried telling them about Jesus. Started getting out everywhere telling people about Jesus, but now we've just lulled back to sleep. It's high time to get back where we need to be, and it's right to be. Put off some things and put on Jesus. Can I say this? Wake up and live for Jesus. For some, it's time to get back in and say, you know, I've been sleeping for a while. It's time to wake up. How many find out that if you sleep too long, you're just bad for the rest of the day. Some say they can't take a nap in the middle of the day because it messes them up for the next eight hours. How many? That's not you. <laughs> There's several that are saying, no, give me a nap. At some point, we've got to wake up. At some point, we've got to see the reality of what's taking place around us and say, God, would you use us to be able to make a difference? Hey, I'm not just waking up to lay in bed for the rest of the day. I'm waking up to get out of bed to go start doing something and be able to get something accomplished. And can I say that's the way I am spiritually too. I don't want to just be spiritually woke up just to sit on the sidelines. I'm saying, God, let's do something about it. Because there's a whole lot of others that are falling asleep on God and they need to wake up to righteousness. And it's time to wake up, not just physically with what's going on in our nation but it's time to wake up spiritually as the church of the living God and say, God, what do you have for us? I'm ready to get to work. You wake up, it's time to go to work. God, what do you have for us? Maybe you're here today. Listen, maybe you've never trusted Christ as your personal Savior. You say, Pastor, all those things that you're talking about, hey, listen, I'll tell you this, God will wake you up for salvation too. Bible explains our situation as being dead in trespasses and sins. But boy, he's willing to draw every man. Jesus said that if he be lifted up, he'll draw all unto him. 
and that drawing of your heart saying, you know, I need to be ready for that. I need to have part in that. I need to know that Jesus is my Savior. There's no greater day. Listen, there's thousands today that wish they had had that settled on the morning of September the 11th. But they didn't. And now they're eternally without Christ. Can I say God's given you an opportunity today? Jesus loves you. Jesus died for your sin, died for my sin, paid the price for all of eternity. And the Bible says if we'll just call upon the name of the Lord in faith believing, guess what? He'll forgive us and save our souls for eternity. But aren't you thankful for that? It's that simple to be able to get that settled. But for those of us that are saved today, it's time to wake up.